Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. I want to welcome any guests and visitors that we may have in our midst this morning. We are honored to have a guest speaker here with us this morning. Jim Edmondson is my father-in-law, so I will be on my best behavior this morning. Jim is with the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home, and we are excited that he is here with us this morning. We are so excited, we are so glad that you are here, that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. I pray that each of us would prepare our hearts as we prepare to worship our God on this Sunday morning. Reagan Pointer, Hayden Price, and I are going to read Psalms 148. Verses 1 through 8. Praise the Lord. 
praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heavens above. Praise him all his angels, praise him all his angels in heaven. Praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens, praise him you waters above the skies. Let all of them praise the name of the Lord, because at his command they were created. He established them forever and ever. He gave them laws they will always have to obey. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the deepest parts of the ocean. Praise him, lightning and hail, snow and clouds. Praise him, your stormy winds that obey him. Praise him, all your mountains and hills. Praise him, all your fruit trees and cedar trees. Praise him, all your wild animals and cattle. Praise him, your small creatures and flying birds. Praise him, your kings of earth and all nations. Praise him, your princesses and rulers on earth. Praise him, young men and women. Praise him, old men and children. Let them praise the name of Lord. His name alone is honored. His glory is higher than the earth and heavens, as he as has given his people a strong king. All his faithful people praise him for that gift. All the people of Israel are close to his heart. Praise the Lord. And now let's praise him, all ye little children, hymn number 31. If you would, please stand with me and we'll sing together. I brought something down out of the children's room. Hello, James. How are you? Good. I'm glad. You can be my picture holder. How about that? Here, you hold this. I want to read a scripture to you that our guest is going to use this morning in his sermon. And it says, I'm going to read Mark 10, verse 14. When Jesus saw this, he was angry. He said to his disciples, let the little children come to me. Don't keep them away. God's kingdom belongs to the people like them. So I have a picture here, like I said, that came out of the children's room upstairs. And what is it a picture of? Can you see that? Who is that, James? Can you tell me who that man is? God. God, Jesus. And who are all those people around him? Who are all those people down there around him? 
Are they children? They're children. And I got some other pictures that I found today. And they're pictures of Jesus and children. Jesus did not want you to be afraid of him. He did not want you to be turned away from him when the crowds gathered. Jesus wants you right here in his heart, in your heart. He wants to you to love him. There's something I saw really special about all these pictures when I started looking through all these pictures. Jesus has his arms or his hands on the children and the children have a smile on their face. They know that Jesus loves them. You know that too, don't you? You know that he is so special in your heart and that every day we grow stronger and stronger with our love. We talk to him, we listen to him, we say thank you. So as we begin each day, we need to remember that Jesus said he loves all the children. Don't ever be afraid, don't ever be turned away. Let us pray. Jesus, as we reach out to you and reach out to our children, we need to open our hearts and our arms and our hands. We need to touch, we need to hug, we need to love. They are your gift to us. Not only as parents, but members of this church. They are ours to love, they are ours to raise. We need to always remember that you wanted children at your feet. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. my brothers and sisters in Christ. First, I want to articulate my esteemed thanks and gratitude for accepting me as your CBF intern for the first half of this year. I am so honored to have the blessed chance in working with you all as my church family. And I am so honored to call you all my family. Because since I came to this church my freshman year at Gardner-Webb, I felt nothing but love and acceptance from you all. And is that not what the Church of God is all about? Can I get an amen? amen? Second, I want to just say a few words that God has placed in my heart. Tomorrow, as you all know, is the day that this nation celebrates the deeds of one of its great heroes, Martin Luther King, Jr. As you all know, he is a man who was called to bring justice and peace during a time of social, racial, political, and economic turmoil in our country. Martin Luther King Jr. stood for love when there was hatred. He stood for peace when there was violence. He stood for hope when there was despair. He stood for unity and reconciliation when there was nothing but segregation. And he died following the calling that God had gave him, 
Martin Luther King Jr., despite his flaws, was a man of God. He had a dream, or in better words, a prophetic vision, that one day all people will live together in love and harmony in this country. We have all thought that after those terrible days of the 1960s and 70s, that we were finally heading towards that vision. The bad days were over. Nonetheless, recent events have shown many of us otherwise. Our country, in many ways, is as divided as ever. And lastly, in saying that, I want to articulate to you all the calling that the Lord has placed in my heart. And I will do so with a reading from the Epistle of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by the human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, the strangers to the confidence of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with his commandments and ordinance that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus put into death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to one who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in the one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. I have been called into the ministry of reconciliation to bring together what has been divided for so long I ask you, my family in Christ, to join me in this journey as I go about to make relationships between us and our brothers and sisters at Green Bethel Baptist Church. We need to come to an understanding that our identity as a people is not found in our heritage, it's not found in our culture, it is found in Christ. For when we accepted Christ into our hearts, when we proclaimed that we put all in Christ, we find our identity in him and him alone. We should no longer see ourselves as white Christians or black Christians or Asian Christians. We should see ourselves as Christians only. Through love, through peace, through hope, we could come together during a time of great turmoil and division. As for your prayers, I ask for your support, 
than this journey. Thank you all for your time. Thank you all for your love. Thank you all for your wisdom and thank you for everything you have done for me. And I pray and I beg that you please, with open hearts and open minds, join me in this journey as we go and open up our arms to our brothers and sisters at Green Bethel Baptist Church. And we both can create relationships and bonds that will last for generations. It can be a great example to this country that we can come together through Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Cedric. During my time at Gardner Webb in the mid 90s, there were two opportunities that I had that tie into what I'm about to say. One is uh, I had the opportunity, as well as Cedric and all MDiv students, to do an internship. I was able to do that in my home church. Uh, we are Cedric's home church. Cedric has been here, I think, since your beginning days at Gardner Webb. And so uh, we are glad that we can partner with Cedric in this journey, and I invite you to join us as we do that. And I hope this, that we will be good stewards of our role uh, with Cedric, and I know Cedric will, um, uh, will do his part uh, with his responsibilities as well. And so we look forward to this uh, new relationship this semester. And uh, also, while I was at Garden Web, I was afforded the opportunity to go on a focus weekend, which I know is where Mary and Alan met on a focus weekend, or at least formed a friendship at first. <laughs> that blossomed into love. Um, but uh, I was also afforded the opportunity to go to the Mills home in Thomasville for the very first time as a student to lead a focus group there with a large group of children over a weekend. I don't know if Garden Webb still does that or not, but that was the beginning of my relationship with Baptist children's homes. Our church supported them in some way growing up, but that was my first contact there at one of the children's homes facilities. And it was there that uh, was the beginning again of my relationship with the homes. And so in, in other ministries that I had, I stayed with some house parents that weekend and uh, have stories that I won't go into now. But today we are excited to have uh, the Reverend Jim Edmondson with us. As Alan said, it is uh, Mary's father. But uh, J uh, Jim has been with the children's home since 2000 and has uh, been the editor of a great publication called Charity and Children, which is one of, it's gotta be one of North Carolina's longest running, uh, how, how old is the paper? 130 years. 130 years old. He's, I'm stealing some of his thunder maybe. But uh, I enjoy reading, it comes out, is it bi-weekly or monthly? Monthly. I enjoy reading his columns. He usually has a, um, an article in the front and then in the back, I, I sometimes, I've learned about Mary's family without talking, I haven't talked to Mary about her family, but I read, I've learned about Mary's family from Jim's articles in the back of the Charity and Children. So um, if you would like to sign up for that, he'll of course have an opportunity for you to do that today. But Jim, we're excited about you being here. Uh, Jim is a man of many talents. But uh, it is my hope and prayer that we could have him back for our senior adults. Uh, he has a passion and a heart not only for children, but really for families. And those, that also includes senior adults as well. And has a great message, several messages that he has shared with seniors across the state. And so we look forward to having him back uh, in that role with us at some time in the near future. But Jim, we welcome you here today and uh, glad you're here. And we look forward to what you have to share with us. Before I pray today, I'm gonna have, I asked Cedric to stay up here, I'm gonna have him come back up, but let me just remind you or mention that uh, some of you are aware Billy Washburn was in the hospital late last week and then went to Cleveland Pines. Yesterday, she had to go back to, Shel to the hospital here in Shelby uh, and they are running some further tests and some things. This all began from a fall at home, uh, which fractured her pelvis. And so uh, there's been some other complications. And so be in prayer for Billy and Jean and, and, the, family, and the family right now. 
Also for Reed and Irene as they continue to have health concerns, Lou Reese as she uh, recovers from a fall, and also one of our newest members, Charlene Presbytero. She is in her final days, and we just pray for God's grace and presence with her at this time. Uh, Cedric, if you'll come up and join me for the prayer, um, will you join me in praying together? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the ways that you are at work among your people, not only here in Boiling Springs, but across the world. We're thankful for the ways that you are at work in our community at Gardner Webb University. We're thankful for Cedric and um, his journey. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would partner together with him and, and love him and guide him and help him as he grows and, and learns this semester. Uh, Lord, we'll be all exposed to new opportunities and new possibilities. And Lord, we pray that you would guide each and every one. Lord, bless Cedric in his studies. Bless him in his work here at Boiling Springs. Father, we lift up these today that are on the prayer list. Um, Lord, for Billy and Billy Washburn, for Lou Reese, uh, for Charlene Presbytero, for Irene and Reed. Lord, many others that we know of are recovering from surgery, some of which are here today, and we're glad to see Vicki uh, Whitfield back among us. And Father, we pray for others that are undergoing tests this week. We pray again for your presence with them at this special time. Lord, we recognize that on any given Sunday, there are families here that are going through difficulties, whether it be marriages, whether it be issues with children or other family members. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would meet each one here today at the point of their need, and that, Father, when they leave, that we'll all say it's good to have been in your house with your people today. Father, bless Jim Edmondson as he comes to share with us today. Lord, we're thankful for our partnership with the Baptist Children's Homes, and Lord, we just thank you for the great work that they do to change the lives of children. Father, bless our time this morning. Father, we commit it to you, and we ask this, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Our next hymn is Will You Come and Follow Me? I mentioned that we sang this a couple Sundays ago, but we had a Sunday that we missed, so I hope you haven't forgotten it. This will give you another chance to uh, refresh your memories, but this will be kind of our theme throughout the spring leading up um, to Lent. And so um, we will sing it at the close of the service every Sunday. So notice, don't put your bulletin away because you're going to sing again at the end of the service. So if you would please join me in singing, Will You Come and Follow Me? Please stand.
shall we pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for the opportunity to be in your house, for the opportunity to share with fellow believers. As we come now to bring our tithes and offerings, we thank you for the opportunity to work, to make money, that we can give back to you that which belongs to you. We pray that you'll bless the gift and the giver. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Our scripture this morning is taken from Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. Good morning. Uh, thank you, brother, for reading that scripture and choir. What a great job. Thank you so much. Uh, the music was grand this morning. It's such an honor to be here on behalf of Dr. Blackwell and the staff and the many children and families that we serve all across the state of North Carolina. Uh, it was gracious to put my bio in the bulletin, but I was asked one time, uh, what would be the thing that you would want to be remembered the most? And I thought about it just a few seconds, and I said, I want to be remembered as a loving husband and a loving dad. The greatest credential that you might hear about me today is this young lady is my daughter. Mary's my daughter, and I'm very proud of her, and I'm so thankful, and on behalf of Kathy, my wife, and uh, our family, we're thankful that you have loved, uh, chosen to love and care for Alan and Mary, and not just as believers, but also as young people who are beginning ministry. They need a church like your church uh, who will love them and encourage them and uh, allow God to do a work in their lives. So I say thank you. I share uh, not only thanks for allowing me to be here, uh, to speak on behalf of Baptist Children's Homes, but as a dad, uh, I'm very thankful for what you're doing in the lives of Alan and Mary. Uh, the pastor mentioned that I'm the editor of Charity and Children, so before we get started too much, I want to share with you some stories about children. Uh, we're going to have a slide, I think, come up soon. It's up. Okay. Uh, Charity and Children, you had a various number of children here last year, and the pastor said, Jim, why don't you come and speak? And I said, I knew I was going to be at a deficit right off the bat, because you have me as compared to a lot of children. So I said, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to bring some stories of children to share with you. In Charity and Children, every month we have stories. And this issue of Charity and Children is about three brothers, the feature story. And it highlights Christian, uh, Sterling, and Caleb. What's interesting about these young men is they have a mom and dad, but their, moms, their mom and dad uh, was addicted to drugs. They created an environment for them in which they were unsafe. The legal forces came into being and there was an aunt that said, you know, we'll take them into our home. Now, the aunt already had children and even had grandchildren living in the home, but she took these three young men into her home. What's interesting about this scenario is that while they were in care, uh, their mother and father were out and they uh, were under the uh, influence of drugs and alcohol and the mother stepped into tr oncoming traffic and was killed. You know, children come into care and they never want to come to Baptist children's homes. They would prefer to be like other children and live at their homes with their moms and dads. But they knew they couldn't live with their mom and dad. But they never gave up hope until their mom died. Their father's in prison. That sounds like a very desperate thing, but because of Baptist Children's Homes, because of all of you that support the ministry of Baptist Children's Homes, these young men have hope. Sterling is quite a smart young man. He tests well in all of his classes. He makes straight A's. He's, his future is very promising. Christian, when I interviewed him for this story, it was very hard to get anything going. I would say, well, tell me about this. And he would say, well, it's fine. 
I said, well, tell me about this. And he said, well, it's good. Everything went really well in our little discussion if I had wanted to write a story that just said that Caleb was fine and good. Not Caleb, but Christian. Until I said, well, I'm going to throw this at him. I said, Christian, what's your favorite food? And his eyes lit up as big as quarters. And he said, I love fried chicken. And he went on to tell me that he likes fried chicken when he goes out to restaurants. He likes fried chicken at school. He likes fried chicken anytime he can get it. You know, sometimes it's about providing a child an opportunity to just be a child. Christian said, my favorite meal in a cottage is when my cottage mom makes fried chicken. These young men have hope because of Baptist Children's Homes and because of you. I believe last year you met this young lady. Her name is Paige. Paige, again, came out of a home that was um, inundated with drugs and alcohol. In fact, her mom and dad were dealers. So in, in, at any time during the day, there were people coming in and out of her home that were seeking to find drugs. The mom and dad used drugs. A lot of times Paige would come home from school. She was in, she wanted to go to school. She wanted to be around other children. And she would come in and she would have to then parent the parents. It's a bad situation when you have children suddenly realizing that they have no body to support them. She would come in and make dinner for the family. She would come in and wash clothes. She would come in and tidy their home the best that she could. But if you were here last year, you heard Paige sing. And Paige sung about the hope that she found in Jesus Christ. She has rededicated her life. And out of the darkness in which she came, she has hope. A hope that came out of some really bad, bad place. Now this young man, his name is Israel. And Israel is distinctive in this way. He came the farthest away to come to Baptist children's homes. Israel is from Guatemala. He's from a remote uh, mountain village. They have their own dialect, in fact. They don't speak the same language that a lot of uh, individuals in Guatemala speak. And his father came to the United States and was a documented agricultural worker. And Israel began to desire to get an education. And so what he did is he said, well, I'm going to go and join my father. And so whatever money he had, he went to the bus station and bought a ticket. And he got on a bus and the amount of money that he had took him only so far. And so about in the middle of Mexico, the bus stopped and Israel got out. And he walked the remainder distance into Arizona. He came to the United States. He was, joint, uh, he was connected to his dad. But instead of his dad putting him in school, his dad put him in the fields with him. It was another way for his dad to make money. Finally, though, one morning, because Israel was fussing about it, he said, Dad, I want to go to school. I want to go to school. His dad left him, abandoned him. He was left alone. He contacted the Department of Social Services, and they led him Kennedy home. Today, this young man goes out to churches. This young man has a guitar in which an, uh, an individual in a church provided for him that he taught himself how to play music. And he sings about Jesus in churches. What a phenomenal thing. If you get Charity and Children Monthly, and many of you do, then you read about children that are, we are making the difference in their lives. Do you realize for more than 130 years, 100, almost 134 years, Baptist Children's Homes, which is driven by North Carolina Baptists and Baptists who believe in the ministry that we do to make a difference and to change the lives of children. I tell people all the time as I go out and I speak in churches 
The person who started Baptist Children's Homes wasn't a pastor. The person who started Baptist Children's Homes wasn't a theologian. The person who started Baptist Children's Homes was very much like many of you, faithful follower of Jesus, who came to church, who was raised in a Christian home, who was in fact by profession a mathematics teacher. He taught children math. And what he did is on, in 1885 is he came to a group of Baptists and said, we need to care for orphans and children. As I travel across the state and I speak in a lot of different churches, I speak in big churches, in small churches, I speak in churches that are in cities, I speak in churches that are in rural communities, and it never fails that when I go into a church, I see a common denominator. When I went into your church today, I walked by bulletin boards that had things on them that were specifically about children. A few minutes ago, we saw children come up and there was a special time dedicated for a children's moment. Earlier in the worship service, two children stood up and told the scripture to each of us, read the scripture to us. I know because of Alan and Mary, the children of this church go on mission trips. They go on enriching activities in which they can grow spiritually. In the summer, you have vacation Bible school. There are churches throughout the state, Baptist churches, that demonstrate the same thing. From the cradle row in the nursery to the children's Bible study classes to the choir room that's specifically for children, North Carolina Baptists have a heart for children. I see it in every church that I go into. Now the question is, if you've ever thought about it, if they do have a heart for children, why do, do we have a heart for children? Now, the answer may be very evident, but we're going to look at Scripture. We're going to look at the Scripture that was read just a few minutes ago, and we're going to see in context of what's happening in the life of Jesus, we're going to see it all come into clear focus, and we're going to understand, hopefully better than we've ever understood before, why we as Jesus believers have a heart for children. The scripture that we uh, are reading from is in chapter 10. It begins in verse 13, but let me set the, the stage for what's happening here. Jesus had begun his ministry, and a lot of times when we think about Jesus, we often think about Jesus on the cross. And you know, that's right, that's right thing to do. We think about the Jesus that was alone. We think about the Jesus who was brutalized. We think about the Jesus who had a crown of thorns placed on his head. We think about that Jesus, why? Because it's on the cross that he shed his blood. It was on the cross that the door of salvation opened up for all of us. It was on the cross that all history was changed. So as Jesus begins his ministry and we realize as we study the gospels that it's a short period of time, we realize that everything that Jesus does in that short, short period of time is extremely important. But in contrast to a Jesus who is scourged and brutalized, when we look at scripture, we see Jesus as being very popular. And it's important to understand that as we look at this scripture. It's important to understand that there is a time in which Jesus goes out and begins his ministry. And as he goes and he touches the lives of those who are ill. As he looks into the eyes of those who are burdened with sin and he tells them your sins are forgiven. It is during this time in which he's actually sitting among people and he says no longer is God in some distant place. But he says, God is at hand. In fact, God is in your midst. This was before a time in which there was CNN, 
before there was Fox, before there was Twitter, Facebook, any social media. And yet Jesus' popularity spread like wildfire. What was happening through the ministry of Jesus was so radical that people talked about it. And they didn't do it this way. They did it by telling other people. There were individuals that their lives had been changed. Scripture tells us that Jesus did so much in that three years that it wouldn't fit into, a vo- it would fit into volumes, many, many volumes of stories. And so you have a, a situation in which people are saying, let me tell you about what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you how my life was changed. There were others who had been witnesses and they said, do you know what I just saw? I saw this man from Nazareth touch a blind man and he could see. They chit-chatted and they talked and it became the buzz at the water cooler at work. When people showed up at clubs and, and associations for weekly meetings like the Lions Club, they didn't talk about how their next project, they talked about this guy named Jesus. What backs this up is we know that as Jesus went from place to place, that there was never a difficult, it was never difficult to have people present. In fact, Scripture tells us that crowds would follow Jesus. Remember the story of the 5,000? Remember the fact that the time grew long and there were so many people and they didn't have time to go back home to get a meal and the, and the, the uh, disciples said, Jesus, what are we going to do? What about the time when the disciples were, uh, Jesus was with a large group of people and Jesus told the disciples, go get that boat right there and I'm going, you're going to set it out into the water and I'm going to go out in that boat and turn back to the crowd and preach. There were so many people pressing onto Jesus that scripture says that the only way that he could proclaim the message of God was to go out into the water. This is the Jesus that we see at this time. This is the ministry that is like a train that begins to chug and chug and chug and chug and chug and it begins to build so much steam that there were people that were drawn to Jesus. And it was at one of these times in which Jesus was speaking, scripture says, and they brought young children to him. I don't think there would be many people in your neighborhood, in this community, certainly not in this church, that would tell you that they do not believe on putting a priority on children. We believe that children are important because they're the future of our communities. We believe that children are important because they'll lead in the world and they'll lead uh, in Boiling Springs. And we as Jesus believers here at this church today, we believe children are important because they are truly the future in spreading the gospel. We understand the importance of children. At this time, though, children didn't have the same place that they have today. We provide for our children. We make sure they're educated. We make sure that they have health plans. We make sure that if they have uh, dental needs, we take them to the dentist. We take them to the doctor. We provide summer supplements and camps so that they can learn music and art, that they can go off and play sports and become better soccer players and baseball players. We invest ourselves in the lives of children. But at this time, children were not much more than property. And yet there were believers, 
that became, that knew about Jesus and how Jesus was changing lives and they put a priority on the children in their, their life. They said, if I don't do anything else for these children, my children, if I don't do anything else from the children that God has given me, I am going to bring them in to the presence of Jesus. And that's what happened here. They were adults that understood the power, in some way they understood the power of bringing these children into Jesus' presence. Now understand what the disciples did before. Remember the disciples tried to figure out how to feed the 5,000. Remember the disciples were given the task of putting the boat into the water. Remember the disciples suddenly are not just people learning about what Jesus is doing, but they became crowd control. We just came out of a political season and if you've ever had somebody from this county or from the state that comes to your community during po political time, they never come alone. Have you ever noticed that? If the governor, uh, people who are running for governors, if they come through Boiling Springs or if they go to Shelby, they come with an entourage. Why do they do that? Because there has to be someone who sets the room, there has to be someone that sets the crowd, there has to make sure the mic is set and make sure that they have the mic on their heads. They do everything. Well, the disciples suddenly became an entourage to Jesus. Why? Because of the crowds, because of the demand, because somehow in their hearts and their minds, even if they didn't quite get the total picture, they knew that Jesus was doing something important. We know that every step Jesus took was gonna be one less step he had on earth. Jesus was walking to a destination. Jesus was walking to the cross. Every breath he breathed was gonna be one less breath he would have on earth. Somehow these disciples understood that what Jesus was doing was so important that when these adults brought these children to Jesus, they leaned over to these adults and they said, in essence, Jesus doesn't have time for you. Now the most powerful thing happens next. Here Jesus is going. You can imagine. He's doing everything that's revealed to us in Scripture. He's engaged with this crowd. You don't know if there's people at his feet in which he's touching. You know he's proclaiming the kingdom of God. Jesus told crowds, he said, look. He said, when you see me, it's as if you see God. If you want to know what God's heart is, let me show you. I will demonstrate the heart of God. We have a heart for children because in this moment, in this pathway to the cross, in the context of everything that was important that Jesus was doing, he said, no. He said, let these children come to me. We all agree that what he was doing was important. What about that extra blind person? What about one more person that could have somehow received the kingdom of God? What about that one more person? Well, Jesus says, let me tell you God's priority. God's priority, though all of this is important, it is as if Jesus stopped time. What happens next in Scripture? It says, when Jesus saw it, he was displeased. He told them, his, uh, other translation says he's, he was indignant. It turned against everything that he was about. And he said, let these children come to me. Do not forbid them to come into my presence. 
Scripture goes on to say, as Jesus would do, he said, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. You know, as an adult, we spend all of our lives becoming grown up, don't we? What does that mean? Well, if you're the son of Gene Edmondson, uh, Gene Edward Edmondson, my dad, it was that I was to grow up to provide for my family. It was that when I put my hands to a task, I didn't just do it well, I did it better than doing it well. I didn't do something just at 100%, I did something at 110%. He taught me that if I was ever to make my way in the world, that I had to work for it. He basically, like his life, he said, Jim, I'm self-made. I came from the docks of New Orleans where I worked to load ships. I lied and, and, uh, and went into the Air Force when I was 16. I did everything so that I could advance myself and provide for you and, and your siblings and your mom. That's what's important. All of us grow up to be grown-ups. And what does that mean to be grown-ups is that we want to be able to be strong. We want to be able to be sufficient. We want to take care of those we love. And yet God, Jesus tells us in this scripture, he says, if you really want to come into the presence of God, you have to be as a little child. That's total contrast, isn't it? Suddenly as we as adults, if we want to grow in our relationship with God, we need to realize that we need to come into God's presence uttering the not not God, but daddy. We had this green recliner in my house and Mary's heard this story a million times, but I'm gonna share it with you here this morning. We had a green recliner in our home and it's important to this story uh, for for a reason I'm gonna share with you. But we moved eventually and that green recliner didn't get moved with us because my wife said it was the most ugliest piece of furniture that we owned. And men, you understand it was perfect though. What does that mean for men? Men, it fit me in all the right places. This was the kind of recliner that you took silver duct tape and you would do anything to, perse- to, to preserve this recliner. It was the type of recliner that on a Sunday afternoon that you would find the worst baseball teams, the longest NASCAR race, or the football game that was not the, that which the Panthers were not playing in, and that's what you put on television. And you would recline, recline that recliner back, and then what would you do? If you were watching Talladega, we all know that nothing happens until the end of the race. So from the beginning to the end, it was the perfect time for me to get my nap. That was the kind of recliner, that was the kind of of presence it had in our home. It broke my heart when Kathy said, I know you love it, but we're getting you a new one. And I thought, oh no, I'm gonna have to break in a new recliner. The significance of this recliner though is not just that I enjoyed it to take naps and to sit with my remote and to control my universe and, and, and click through channels on the television on a Sunday afternoon. What was significant about this green recliner is that this is the place that when my children had a need, they would meet me at the big green recliner. When they were sick, and I did get up sometimes, men, instead of my wife, and I would go in And I would take a child that has fever, I would take a child whose tummy that was hurting, and I'd lift them out of their bed, and I would go to that green recliner. If they came in from school and they had been bullied or something happened that was unkind to them and their heart was breaking, we would sit in that recliner and I would rock them and I would tell them I loved them. I tell you this story about the recliner because it's significant when you look at this scripture and it says that any of us, if we're not as little children, how can we come into God's presence? How can we become, live in God's kingdom? 
God wants us to come up to his throne and not stand as a self-made person proclaiming what we have and our value that we have in our community. He wants us to come to him in his throne and literally call out and raise up our arms and say, Daddy, I need you. Help me. Help me. Children can teach us that if they're secure and they're safe, if you've provided a roof for them, if they have plenty to eat, they don't think of anything. They just are. Scripture tells us that our heavenly Father loves us greater than our earthly Father could ever love us. My dad loved me, but God loves me even greater. The last part of this Scripture, we see Jesus responding, and I'm going to have to move. We see Jesus responding to the children. And it's interesting about this is that when I was in college, I actually earned a degree in fine arts. And part of that is I studied lots of art history, had a minor in art history. And what did that mean? Well, I learned a lot about people who made art. And there were, in ancient times, there were lots of stone statuaries and lots of paintings that depicted Jesus. And somehow, even though the, the quality of a stone uh, sculpture was phenomenal, you could almost see the, the blood vessels. You could see almost the indentions of the pores of the skin. Even though it looked real, it was still stone. And a lot of times, though, we think of Jesus in this context as standing very stone-like while these people brought these children and said, Here, Jesus. And Jesus went, Bless you. Tell me, when was the last time that you had children in your midst, whether they were your children or your grandchildren, and you did not respond emotionally to them? Tell me the last time when you had a child come to you that if you could, you would reach down and pick that child up. Tell me the time when you, as a, having your own children or your grandchildren, didn't take your hand and place your hand on the side of their face and tell them that you love them. Yesterday I saw my granddaughter Emily and we were in a restaurant and her mom and dad came in with Emily and she saw me. And I'm proud of this, so I'm going to tell you about it. She saw me, got on the ground, she's two years old, and ran around the table and said, Papa, and raised her arms. You know what I did? I got down on one knee. I got down on her level. I reached my arms around her and I picked her up and I gave her a big kiss. These people brought these children to Jesus. Jesus, a living Jesus, reached his arms around these children and he loved on them. The scripture says that he put his hands on them and he blessed them. And we may understand that, that these children's lives may never have been the same. God touched them. But what I'd like you to also understand is God gave them time. God gave them love. God was intimate with them and touched them. The scripture this morning is relevant to us because of the children in our lives. A child pastor will come one day, perhaps when you're preaching, and they're going to come up. They've talked to their mom and dad. They may have mentioned to a sibling. They're going to come up and they're going to say, I want to stand for Jesus. I want Jesus to come into my heart. That's going to be a great day. But I want to tell you that that child's journey to the throne of God began long before that Sunday. Long before the pastor ever planned that sermon. 
The journey for that child to come to God begins in your Sunday school classes. It begins in this sanctuary. It begins on the youth trip. It begins in vacation Bible school. It begins in the mother and father who prays with their child every night and share scripture with them. My children, Mary may not remember this, she was pretty small, but her sisters, Jenny and Amy, they're bigger than she is, older than she is. We belong to a church in Monroe, Louisiana, which is where Louisiana Baptist Children's Home was located. And that's where I served became, before coming to North Carolina. And they would come into sanctuary and they would bust through the door. And they would run right about over here where this gentleman's sitting. And they'd run over to him. Do you know why? You can guess probably. He had candy in his pocket. Now some of you may not want your child to have candy. But I'll tell you what, he gave a gift to my children every Sunday. And what was that? He was looking for them. He was expecting them. He was welcoming them into God's house. My children grew up and came into the knowledge of Jesus personally, but they were ushered because of individuals who made them aware that when they came to church, that they were welcome. The things that you do in the lives of children in this church, realize it's not just an investment like some of the great community organizations that you may be involved in, in Boiling Springs and Shelby. And there's lots of good ones, Boys and Girls Club, other organizations, sports, different things. Some of you may be coaches or have been coaches. That's essential to every community. But I want you to know in this church that when a child comes to know God, your investment pays off in eternal rewards. Amen? What you give to the children of this church isn't just about making them the next generation of this church. It's about offering them eternity. I think about the children in this community. When I began this ministry with with our children's homes, I said, show me the orphans. A lot of people think there are lots of orphans. And I said, well, where are the orphans? I want to see some orphans. And I had a friend of mine, a mentor. He came to me. His name is Earl Mercer. And he says, Jim, he said, I've been in ministry with children for a long time. You're not going to meet many orphans. I said, really? No, in today, in our culture, in our society, the way that we provide for our children in the general community, I've only met two legitimate orphans. That means that those children had no living relatives. And they were in care. But he said to me, he said, Jim, there are orphans all around us. What's terrible in our society and our culture today is that there are children in our communities in which there are no adults that care for them. That means if you see them in Walmart and you may think, well, they're going to go home and they're going to have a good meal. No, it doesn't mean that. You may see somebody walking the streets of Shelby or in Boiling Springs and you're going to think, well, they must be walking home. No, it doesn't mean that. There are more children that are not in children's homes that are in desperate situations. We had the big snow come through and my wife, who's not here today because she's broke her foot, and uh, she thought about it, she tried to figure out a way to come and Mary and Alan were gonna host us and she just couldn't make the trip. But while she was convalescing over the holidays and the snow came up, somebody said, Cat, Mom, what's wrong? She looked so upset, she was so concerned. She said, I'm concerned about my students who live in cars. There are kids in our public school systems that struggle to find meals every day. 
There are children in your communities that are orphaned. There are children that if John Hames Mills was staying, standing here today, who's the founder of Baptist Children's Homes, if he was standing here today, he would say, Baptist, we need to reach out into our communities and help these children. You have the children of this church, you have the children of this community, and you have the children like you saw on the screen. Israel, Paige, Christian. These are children who God directs to Baptist children's homes. We see the hand of God <coughs> bringing children into our midst all the time. I was visiting with someone the other day, <coughs> and they asked me what is the most important thing about Baptist children's homes. And I said, one of the most important things other than caring for children and families is that it's a mandate from Baptist. What does that mean? It's because of your compassion and your desire to make a difference in the lives of children that we exist today. It is because <clears throat> you give sacrificially. It is because you brought food for the food roundup last year. It's because you pray. One of the wonderful things about getting charity in children, and I want to encourage you, the pastor said we have a sign-up sheet here, we have a sign-up sheet in the back, Ms. Joanne Lutz, who's one of our trustees, we all know Joanne and Melvin, they both give so much to Baptist Children's Homes. Joanne's going to be in the back helping people sign up. One of the most important reasons that you get charity and children is not to read my article, Pastor. The most important reason is that you know what to pray for. You know children's names that you can pray for. You know that we're struggling, you can pray for us. Recently, on the national level, there was going to be a change that was coming through the, the, the Congress that was going to take away having children in congregant care, which means basically in residential care in children's homes. It was just going to go away. Our readers on Facebook, online, through Charity and Children responded. And our senators responded. And they stood in the gap and said no. And the law was pushed away. Who did that? You did that. You did it through your prayers and your action. And you knew about it because you received Charity and Children. It's important to get Charity and Children to know how to pray for Baptist Children's Homes. One final thing about the children that come into care, we have cottages, and these cottages are directed by surrogate moms and dads. That means they're married couples who say, we're gonna stand in the gap and provide loving care for these children while they're in care. You know what the greatest task they have? Do you know what they desire more than anything? Do you know what they ask you to pray for? It's certainly they need the food to feed the children. They need the resources to keep the electricity on in the cottages. They need lots of things such as uh, uh, sheets and pillows and, and clothes and all of these things. But you know what they'll ask for? They'll ask that you join them and pray for the salvation of the children. It's important that you participate in the ministry of Baptist Children's Homes. As we close this up, I stand today and I present to you like these adults presenting these children to Jesus. You know, Scripture tells us that we're the body of Jesus. Scripture tells us that we're the hands of Jesus. Scripture tells us that we're the arms of Jesus. What a beautiful thing that God gives us. He gives us the, the responsibility to participate and to be the body of Christ in this world. And so today, I stand here and I present to you these children the children of your church, the children of this community, the children at Baptist Children's Homes, what is going to be your response? Are you going to be like Jesus 
and take your arms and wrap your arms around them? If you see a child leaving today, are you going to look over and smile and say, I'm going to pray for that child this week? Are you going to see a a young adult, a teenager who's going to be leaving and you're going to put your arm on his shoulder and tell him, I'm glad you came today? How are you going to respond to the fact that today you're being called as the body of Christ to wrap your arms around these children? I encourage you as we close the service, as the pastor comes up, I encourage you to in your heart say, I'm going to be the one standing in the gap at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. When they need a new, another vacation Bible school teacher, I'm going to volunteer. When the youth are going on a trip, I'm going to volunteer. When they need a new Sunday school teacher in a children's class, you're going to say, I'm going to teach that class. Commit. Open your eyes to the children in your community. Begin to pray for them. And as we think about the children at Baptist Children's Homes, I urge you to wrap your arms around them as well. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to come today and share God's word. Pastor. Thank you, Jim, for not only a strong message about the children's homes, but a strong message. Um, A strong message about Jesus and his love for each of us. Uh, Some of us can remember those days. I had a memory as you were sharing. I haven't thought of this with gentlemen in a long time, but when you were sharing about your kids running into that gentleman at the church in Louisiana, I think of J.B. Case. He was an older fella in my home church at First Baptist East Flat Rock, and every Sunday he would give out sticks of juicy fruit gum to all of the children. And so all the children, you know, he knew them all by name and we knew him by name. And I still remember him to this day. Uh, And I'll never forget one day going to his house and he opened up a trunk full of packs of juicy fruit gum. It was just like, you know, maybe that was a place where it originated or something, but it was just, um, but Jim, thank you for your message. And uh, the response today is how will you and I respond uh, with our children in our community and within our families? I think as he was speaking of many of you, whether it's children in the home or the grandchildren, or many of you have been affiliated with Cleveland County Schools or maybe another school system, and uh, children are important in this community. They're important to our church. And so I think the challenge has been issued not only in support of the children, Baptist children's homes, but to be positive influences for Christ in the lives of the children that we come in contact with. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And if you're here today and you would like to respond to the message of Jesus Christ, maybe you did not do that as a child and would like to do that today. The invitation is there for you today, is here for you today. Uh, If you would like to join the fellowship of Boiling Springs Baptist Church, we invite you to come today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jim. We thank you for uh, the strong message that was delivered today of Christ and his love for little children. Father, help us to heed the counsel, to heed the message Uh, that was proclaimed today and that we found within in uh, the gospel of mark father to reach out with open arms and to love on little children father it's not easy being a kid even if you come from a home with mom and dad in the home it's just not easy and father we pray that you would use us to affect the lives of children within our own community and to support the ministry of the baptist children's home lord we love you speak to our hearts today in ways that we need to be spoken to we ask this prayer in jesus name amen let's stand and sing together Number 477.